the power of thought. And, uh, you know, whoever they are, I was just studying, they say you have 6,200 thoughts in a day. And Tasha said, that's too few. I'm like, wow, <laughs> 6,200. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's a discrepancy at our house as who's, who's thinking and who's not. And... Uh, <laughs> But those thoughts come in many different ways. Some of those thoughts are, 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 are uh, conscious thoughts that you decide to think. Some of them are, are provoked by circumstance or other people uh, planting thoughts. And, uh, you know, some of them are unconscious. They just come. The enemy, really, or, or God can place thoughts there. And we have to recognize the power of thought. You know, one, one person said, you know, thoughts are like trains. They will always take you somewhere. And one thought can take you to multiple places if we're not careful of multiple places in God or multiple places, you know, that you don't know the destination. Well, how many of you would get on a train? I know some of you are adventurers, but most people won't get on a train if you don't know where it's going. So why hop on a, a, a system of thought that you don't know where it's going? Why? Because your thoughts will affect your decisions, your decisions, your direction, and your direction, your destiny. So it's very important that we understand that, we look at those things. So just a few, few key scriptures. I wanna, uh, I'll be moving fairly quickly today. I, I hope to get to something here by the time that we're done. Uh, but Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, it says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, so you have to surround that. So our thinking, what we begin to really develop within our heart, the thinking not just in our intellect, but down in our soul, your heart is a combination of your spirit and your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. And so your mind or your thinking is part of the makeup of your heart, not just your brain, but that, that unconscious thought that's not intellectually stirred. It all comes down into your soul. So as you begin to think in your heart, so you are. And so we have to watch that. And so uh, Paul told Timothy, he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has given you the ability to have a well-disciplined mind. Now, again, if we just think about it, we won't ask for a raise of hand. How many of you, uh, your mind seems to just go out of control sometimes? So the enemy wants that. He wants you to think, well, I can't control this. My mind's just, I, I, I can't stop this thought. But he actually says we can stop these trains of thought. It'll take relying upon what? The helper. You say, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. But you and I have a helper in any situation. We are not without help to do the things that God has called us to do. So he said, you don't have a spirit of fear, but you have a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. The Holy Spirit will be there to help you from your mind wandering to places it shouldn't. So Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says, and thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon all the trouble of the world, whose mind is stayed upon the circumstance of the day, whose mind is stayed upon what that person did to me a week ago or two years ago. No, it says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. On the things of God, on what Jesus has done for us, of what God has accomplished, has stayed on thee. So often as, as people, even people of God, we're like, I don't even know how to keep my mind on him. 
but you don't have any mind, uh, trouble keeping your mind on what happened to you 10 years ago. So it is possible to keep your mind on something. You say, well, no, Pastor, I, I, I've been diagnosed with, you know, that attention deficit. I can't keep my mind on anything. Well, you have a helper, the Holy Spirit, that will help you keep your mind on things that you need to keep your mind on. Amen. So uh, Proverbs chapter 40 says that we are to guard our heart because out of our heart flow the issues or the boundaries of life. In other words, at least in part, your thoughts create the boundaries for your life. So if your thoughts are out of control, there are no boundaries for your life. But if we bring our thoughts captive, as the world says, we bring our thoughts into obedience to Christ, as the word says, now all of a sudden we start to see boundaries and we begin to see the plan of God. We begin to see the promises of God. We begin to see what God accomplished in Christ Jesus for us because we bring our thoughts captive to that. You say, well, I don't know if I can bring my thoughts captive. Well, we can. We can bring our thoughts captive, not because we're so great. Again, because we have a helper. Come on, you want to move with the Holy Spirit? Have him move in your brain. Just let him move on you to help control. I want to move of God. Well, let him move and control your thinking. And watch how that is a, an amazing move of God. That's more miraculous than most of the things we think about. Right? If all of a sudden the things that worry you and stress you out could be brought captive and put out of your life, you'd see miracle working power. I'd see miracle working power. So how do we do that? How do we do that? We're just going to go uh, quickly into a few things. Uh, we do that, number one, by renewing our mind. We talked about that. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse uh, 2, verse 1 says, give your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, take this physical body and give it in service to God. And then he says, don't be conformed to this world. In other words, that word conformed means to, to bring into like fashion. Don't allow your, your life to be brought into the very fashion of the world or the, to be molded like that, but be transformed. That means a total, absolute change, a transfiguring, a, 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 a transformation um, means a total, absolute difference. He said, make a difference, make a total change in your life by the renewing or the renovating, the renovating of your mind. Well, why would we want to renovate our thought process so that we can put to the test, truly put to the test clearly, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Because, you know, your mind will wander and without boundaries and without bringing it into obedience to Christ, you'll begin to think God should be doing things for you that he never promised. You'll be thinking God should do things that he never paid for by the blood of Jesus. You'll be thinking others should be doing things that really is an unfounded expectation. But when we bring our, our mind and we allow it to be renewed, restored, really renovated by the word of God. And it's so important. You know, that's why we have, you know, small groups. That's why we have, you know, Valentina over here has a small group studying the Word of God. It helps us get into the place where we're in the Word of God and we are really thinking about what God says. And, you know, when you think about that, you can think about it, but you start to, number two, meditate on it. 
You got to renew. You got to, you got to start, you know, you can renovate your house and go, man, it's just beautiful. But if you never use it, you can have a, tell people a fabulous kitchen. Well, how does it work? I don't know. I never use it. Man, I got the most beautiful couch when I renovated my house. How does it feel? Don't know. I've never sat on it. We'll see if you don't, but no, when you renovate a house, you come and you sit in the chair, you relax, you use the kitchen. So when you start to renew your mind to the word of God, now I'm going to start to meditate on it. I'm going to start to think about it. I'm going to start to put this new thinking into use. I'm going to meditate on it. And God told uh, Joshua, he said, when you meditate on this word day and night, it causes you to do something. It causes you to observe what the word is saying for the purpose of doing it. See, now our thoughts are going to create our decisions, decision the direction that we take our life. Why? Because it's bringing boundaries to our life. So if we never renew our mind, we don't really know what to meditate on. So instead of meditating on the word of God and praising and having good things because that's what you're renewing or renovating your thought process with, you're taking God's thoughts. You know, the Bible says that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that his ways are higher than our ways. For the Old Testament, they were past finding out, but we have the helper, the Holy Spirit. So when we begin to meditate, God wants to bring us up higher in our thinking. And if we can come up higher in our thinking, we'll come up higher in our way of living, right? He just wants to bring us up into that place. I mean, God's thoughts for us, they're of good and not evil. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God's thoughts are for good and not evil. His ways are higher than our ways. They're, they're, they're higher than our thoughts. Uh, he goes on to, Paul says in Ephesians, he says, uh, God is able then to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask, hope, dream, or think. He says, when we start thinking along with God's lines, everything starts to expand. It begins to burst forward. I mean, really, you should be a little bit more excited about it than that. God has things beyond what you've been thinking. Well, I've been thinking pretty big. Come on, you're not even close to God. Well, I've been thinking big, but other people think small, and it restricts me. No, God's not restricting you. God will perform what he promised in your life. But the moment we start thinking, I can't do this because of somebody else, the enemy starts shrinking our thinking. Right? And then when he shrinks your thinking, it starts to become stinking thinking. Come on, God wants to expand things and make it bigger. So once we begin to meditate on the word of God and we renew our mind, we renovate it, uh, and we begin to meditate on the word of God, number three, we begin to look at or observe the word of God. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, he says, now we behold as in a mirror. Right? They couldn't even look at the Ten Commandments. They couldn't even look at what Moses was bringing down except for with a veiled face. But he says, now under the dispensation of grace, he said every, in the Old Testament, every time the law was writ, uh, read, they, they had a veil over their face of understanding. He said, but now that we've been born again in the Spirit of God, the very writer, the very one who breathed upon the writers to do that, he said, he lives on the inside of us. He says, so now with unveiled face, we behold, we look at, we look into this word and we begin to see a reflection of the glory of God upon us. 
And it changes our thinking from that we're not good enough or, or something's happened to see the glory of God. And in that, when we begin to behold it, when we begin to watch what we're looking at, our mind's been renewed. We've been putting the word of God into it. Now we're meditating on it day and night. We're muttering it over and over. This is what God has done. This is what God has said. Now it starts to come into vision. It starts to come into what I begin to see about what God has done for me. And now it changes my thinking. I see myself differently. I see myself as God sees me. It doesn't matter what you say. And when I start to see it and see where it's coming from and that the Spirit of God is in it, it says it starts to change from glory to glory. Come on, from glory to glory. Even as by the Spirit of God, not by what the world says, not what the, what the enemy has planted, not about my past, not what people say I could do or not do. It starts to be upon what God has said and what God has done, what he's recorded in his word about us. And so it depends on what we look at. You know, at the very beginning of the fall of man, it started with what they began to look at. And the moment Eve began to look at what God said not to even touch or get around, not even eat it, right? Don't eat that. I know some people go, he said eat it. Adam must have misquoted. Eve got all mixed up because Adam didn't tell her exactly what God said. He probably said, don't eat it. When the enemy said, what did he say? Don't eat it or touch it. Well, she's always adding to. Well, I don't know if you've ever eaten anything without touching it. Sometimes we major on a minor. Oh, it's about, he didn't say don't touch it. Well, I don't know if you can eat it without touching it. So she wasn't that inaccurate. The thing was, is the moment God said, oh, God didn't say that. God, she started looking at the tree, and it changed her thinking. From don't eat this or you'll die to maybe this isn't so bad anyway. It makes a difference what you behold, what you look at. So John said this, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon him. Instead of saying, why has this happened to me? Now our mind is renewed to the word of God. We're meditating on what Jesus has done for us. And so we begin in that meditation to behold or to look at what kind of love God loved us with. And boy, when you get that, you get to the point of what Paul said. It doesn't matter. Life, death, angels, principalities, powers, things present or things to come. Famine, peril, nakedness or sword. Nothing could separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so then we have to be careful. If we're going to guard our heart, watch what we hear. Watch what we hear. Because some thoughts you consciously think up. Some thoughts are planted based on what you hear. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Even so, doubt comes by hearing something contrary to the word or letting that come in. So many times you can be thinking that you're doing a great job and God's saying, come on, just keep on going. Just stay with it, you know. Uh, God might say something like this time next year. It might not look good, but this time next year. And all of a sudden somebody comes and starts to say, man, it's never going to happen. Things aren't, I mean, nothing's happened. No, no, nothing's going on. Uh, uh, things aren't happening here. And in, in just a moment, you're just all of a sudden thinking, well, maybe nothing's going on. 
Just the day before, you were like, yes, God, this time next year. And pretty soon you're thinking, well, probably not this year. Where'd that come from? What you were hearing. You know, I always look at this when we get on a message. I'm like, dear Lord, let it not be so. But I know every time we talk, every time we share something, the enemy's going to come and test it. So I'm so thankful. You know, uh, uh, Brother Hagin and others have said this. The mind is the arena of faith. So how thoughts are planted, how we allow thoughts to come, really depends. You know, when Paul said, fight the good fight of faith, most of the time the good fight of faith is right between your ears. You know, I just got this picture, you know, uh, maybe I shouldn't be watching it. It was a while ago, but you know, I, I don't know if you ever watched Wonder Woman, but she has on whatever those armbands are. You know, people start shooting and she's like, key, 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 and she does it. And I thought, you know, uh, I've had a couple of weeks where a lot of thoughts are coming my way. They're just coming my way. And I thought, you know what? I need to get that shield of faith out. What did God say? There's a lot of people saying a lot of stuff, but what did God say? A lot of people thinking a lot of stuff, but God said, I know the thoughts that I have for you. I just got to get back to the thoughts God has for us. God has for me, right? Instead of what everybody else is thinking, God, what are you thinking? Because if we're going to arrive at this time next year to have what God said, we're going to have to be thinking about what God is thinking, right? And so it's very, again, we're talking about things that, the, the reality, you got to watch what you look at because it'll stir your thought life, right? you got to watch what you put into your mind or you, you renovate your mind with, so to speak. If it's the Word of God, it's going to change. What, what do you meditate on? What do you worry about? Or, or what do you truly think on these things, right? And so what do you do in that? And then we have to really watch what we do. There's something called experiential knowledge. Experiential knowledge. So as we do, we're doers of the word that we're renewing our mind to, now we begin to experience not just the thought, but the reality of what God has promised. He said, if we just hear the word and don't ever do it, we deceive ourselves thinking it should be a certain way or I'm doing a certain thing. He said, but really, it's not that way. You can be deceived he said, but really understand this, that when you begin to apply the word to your life and what you do, you begin to see what God had planned all, all along. When you think, I can't forgive that person, but the helper helps you and you have grace and you forgive, all of a sudden you realize, now I see why I had to forgive, not just mentally ascend or not just think about forgiving, but the action of forgiveness has actually changed everything for me, right? Sometimes it's that action of giving changes everything. I've shared this before, but, you know, there was a time where we were having a struggle just in, 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 you know, our thought life with another church. People were going over there wondering what to do, and I was in a, a time of prayer. You know, what's going on there? You know, the enemy tries to get you set against someone else, and what are they doing, and why are, they, why are people going over there, and, you know, whatever. So I'm in prayer, and he says, what I want you to do is they have a balloon payment coming up, and, I, and we didn't have a lot of money at that time, and we were just trying to get ahead. He said, I want you to write a check to them for their balloon payment. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I was, wait a minute. I was asking you why this was happening. I wasn't asking you for an opportunity to bless them. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good 
But, you know, after a little bit of talking with God, I said, well, I better obey God. So, you know, we wrote, we wrote that check. All of a sudden came back. Somebody in the grocery store ran in and said, uh, uh, you're the pastor of New Creation Church, right? Thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving towards our building. Thank you so much. All of a sudden I thought, oh, God, never would have known that. But now we, we, we gave. Well, now we're invested. We hope they get paid off. We hope they get their new building built. We hope that. Why? Well, why was God telling us to give? Because the enemy was getting our thoughts all divided. But God said, I want you to think different. So one of the ways you can start to think different and get your heart set differently is where your treasure is, there's your heart also. So we took of our treasure and invested it into another church, a member of the body, changed our whole thinking. So sometimes you have to do stuff. All right, so I want to get through this real quick. I have to get through it real quick. All right, I'm going to share with you there's different kinds of thinking. We can be overwhelmed, but we have the helper. There's different kinds of thinking throughout the Bible, and uh, I'm probably going to have to divide this up, have 13 different kinds of thinking. So get your pencils out, pens out. I might have to skip over a couple. Number one, there's evil thinking. There's evil thinking. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, God said every single person. There was a time a long time ago, probably nobody in this room knows that time, maybe a few of you, long time ago when the whole earth was filled with evil thinking. So God had to find a family, destroy the whole earth, save it through one family. Why? Because there was evil thinking. What's evil thinking? Thinking that's contrary to God. Any thinking that's contrary to God and God's plan becomes evil thinking. Number two, silly thinking or foolish thinking. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 9, talks about foolish thinking. What is foolish thinking? Foolish thinking or silly thinking is when you know what's right to do and you don't do it. When you know what's right to do and don't do it, and then you wonder why there's consequences, right? Right? So when you know you shouldn't lie, but you do lie anyway. You shouldn't steal, but you do steal anyway. You know, it's like thinking, well, I'll just go rob a bank, and then when you get arrested, you don't understand it. Right? Or you know there's a red light out there, and you know it's red, but you just desire to go through the red light. I'm going to go through that red light anyway. And then you get T-boned, and you're like, oh, God, why did you let this happen? Well, God didn't let it happen. That was just foolish thinking. You knew you should have stopped. You didn't stop. Something happened. It's just silly thinking that way. But so often we're like, well, I can get away with it. I can go ahead and do it, even though I know I shouldn't. He said, don't get caught up in that foolish thinking or that silly thinking because really God's not mocked, right? It, it, it has consequences. All right? So we have to keep moving. Uh, that mistaken thinking. There's mistaken thinking. If you go to Genesis chapter 20, right? Uh, uh, Abraham, he comes up on Abimelech, and uh, he decides in Abimelech, uh, he, he knows that there's not, they don't serve God there. So he gets afraid, and he says, well, I'll just tell Abimelech that Sarah is my wife or my sister. I'll tell you, Sarah must have been a looker. You know what I mean by that? She must have been gorgeous. When you think, man, people are going to kill me for her, she must have been pretty good looking. And so he told Abimelech, she's just my sister. Well, Abimelech liked her. So he was going to take her as his bride. So he goes to bed one night, and God wakes him up, and he says, you better not take her. I got a plan. (laughs) Right? It might not have been this time next year, but it was like this time next year, she's going to have the son of promise, and it isn't with you. He says, that woman's married to Abraham. 
So he comes back and he said, why did you say this? And Abraham said, well, I thought you were going to kill me. And so I just said she was my sister. And then he was so nervous. He said, she's really my sister anyway. Sometimes we just rationalize. But listen, he was just mistaken. When you have mistaken thinking, you keep making mistakes. First Samuel chapter 15, uh, uh, you know, um, King Saul, God told him, utterly destroy the inhabitants of the land and all that stuff. And then he started looking at all the good stuff. And he thought, you know what? I'll, I'll save the spoil. We'll, we'll split the, and then we'll offer a sacrifice. I think God will be pleased with my sacrifice, even if I'm not obedient. And God sent Samuel the prophet and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm obeying God. And he says, if you're obeying God, what's that bleeding of sheep that I hear? You know, the bleat, not bleeding, but bleating of sheep that I hear. He says, oh, well, we thought that we would sacrifice to God from what we kept. And he said, man, you're mistaken. Obedience is far better than sacrifice. Sometimes we can have mistaken thinking, and it it creates uh, more mistakes. We make more mistakes when we have mistaken thinking. And there's fair-minded thinking. Fair-minded thinking. Right thinking. Righteous thinking, Proverbs chapter 12, verse says. Thoughts of the righteous. It's right thinking. It's judicial thinking. It thinks in the way that's principled and right and wrong. Number five, there's childish thinking. First Corinthians chapter 13 says, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I lived as a child. I thought as a child. You know, uh, you know I watched my grandson, and he does some stuff, you know. He, he acts certain ways. He thinks certain ways as he's growing in that. And sometimes we think it's cute. Sometimes we're, you know... But when he gets 30, some of that stuff's not going to be so cute. (laughs) And unfortunately, we can be adults and have childish thinking, but we don't want to. Paul said, listen, I have been there, but now I'm going to put away childish things or childish thinking, right? It's the difference between childish thinking and childlike faith, right? Childish thinking says, mine, mine. All right, we'll move on. That didn't go big. (laughs) Verse uh, number six, there's vain thinking. What vain means is void of success. It means useless thinking. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 20 says, you know, it just talks about useless thinking, thinking that will not create any success. It's just, you know, when it, when it just talk, talks about just idle thinking, you're just sitting there thinking about things that will never produce any success. That's vain thinking. Number seven. And there's insubordinate thinking. Insubordinate thinking is against any authority. When you get to that point of insubordinate thinking, you might think, well, it's just my boss, or it's uh, thinking of the structure of the home, or really within the structure of the church. But we can see through scriptures when it starts with that, just like as with Moses, it begins to, I'm just not listening to Moses, but then it comes down to they were defying Moses and God. So you got to be careful of that. Bad things happened when we got into that kind of thinking that just says, I don't need to submit to any authority. God's put authority in our life to bless us and to prosper us, to bless us and to prosper us. Number eight, there's fearful thinking. 
Fearful thinking. Again, God's not given us a spirit of fear. There's, there's fearful thinking. Worry that takes place. Jesus warned against fearful or worry thinking. He said, which one of you could add one cubit to your stature by worrying what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on? He says, God will take care of you, but there's that place of fearful thinking. There's that worry thinking. I mean, sometimes, you know, it just happens like this. I heard one person say, you know, uh, they, they, about every time they get in their car and go down the road, all of a sudden they have to come back and check and make sure the doors are locked. Half the time they are. But something gets in their thought life. Maybe I didn't lock the door. And if I didn't lock the door, somebody might break in. And so I got to go all the way back. It's, it's thought that just comes up that is fearful thinking. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love in his own mind. Number nine, there's unjust thinking. That's biased thinking. We've seen that a lot. I only think one way. The Bible says this. It says, be careful that you don't see how somebody's dressed and they got on a lot of jewelry and stuff and give them the front row and make somebody who doesn't look so good sit in the back row. Come on, don't have biased thinking. Our culture has so much biased thinking. It's getting us in so much trouble. But as a church, we don't have biased thinking. What God did for one, he did for all. Out of every tribe, out of every tongue, out of every people, out of every nation. What he, what he did on the cross, he did for every single person, whether they're seeing it or not. And so we love everyone just as Jesus did. Number 10, there's exaggerated thinking. Paul says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. So sometimes people do things so good. You ever seen somebody do something so good? You're like, I could do that. That'd be easy to do. We're armchair quarterbacks. Tom Brady looks, makes it look easy. Oh, man, I, thrown, I wouldn't have thrown that pass. Why didn't he hit that open man? Well, let's just put you out there in the Super Bowl. You think a little bit more highly in the armchair than you ought to think. God says you should think a little bit soberly when you're looking at a situation. So what? So God can start to talk to you about the grace that he's put in your life. Not what you could do in comparison to someone else. But when we think soberly, we begin to think about what God is doing and where God's called us to be. Praise the Lord. I'm going to jump to the last one. Philippians 4. Praiseworthy thinking or what we should put our thoughts on. What we should put our thoughts on. Right? He says, in order to get peace, when you have anxiety, pray. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren, think on these things, things that are lovely, things that are true, things that are good report, things that are praiseworthy. He gives us a line and says, within this boundaries, think on these things. Outside of this thinking, there's probably pitfalls and trouble. But inside of this thinking... There are boundaries that create a future and a hope for us. A future and a hope for us. Our thoughts are a powerful principle that shape our future. It can shape us in the way that other people think we should be. It could shape us in a way that the enemy wants to, to conform us to this world. Or our thoughts can bring a transformation of us to be and to look exactly like our future, to look exactly what Christ did. 23rd Psalm says this, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right, he goes on to say this. He said, you, you anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. What was he talking about? He was talking about a shepherd. So before they would take the sheep up into the high country, the shepherd would make a medicinal oil and he would anoint all the sheep's head with oil. Would just, he would smear it on. He would rub it on. He would pour it on. Because they, had, they would have these bugs that would get up into their nose and go up in their nose and begin in, get into their brain and begin to burrow there. And when they got in there, they would affect the mind of the sheep so intensely that the sheep, they would find the sheep beating their head literally against a rock until they die. The Lord anoints our head with oil. Anoints our head with oil. I know we're getting late, but I felt like this, and it might be one person, if it's a whole group, I'm going to have to ask the Holy Ghost what to do. But if you're just like, you know what? This ministers to me about my thinking. I've been tormented in my thinking. I want to pray with you. I want to lay hands on you. So just come real quick. We're coming to the end of this service, but I want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. The devil's a liar. The Bible says he's the author of the father of lies. On the basis of the 23rd Psalm, I'm going to pray for you. Just receive it. Don't sense there's going to be a word, prophecy or anything. If there is, we'll stop. It's just anointing your head with oil. Oil of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to allow that to come in, and when thoughts come, just call on that anointing, the helper. Again, part of it is you have that anointing, that strength. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, to cast down, to take every thought, every thought, not some thoughts, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Why don't you all in the congregation stand up, stretch your hands out here with me. We're just going to pray in the name of Jesus. And you just say in your own heart, the moment hands are laid upon me, I receive that anointing, that anointing from the shepherd, from my thoughts, my mind. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we thank you. Release the anointing. Thank you, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. There you go. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the anointing concerning your thoughts. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth over her thought life. No more tormenting. We break that in the name of Jesus. Every thought brought captive by the power of God. The help of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, in the name 
of Jesus. We stand against tormenting thoughts. Thoughts made right in the name, there you go, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anointing her. No more. No more of those thoughts. No more. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Break the power of those thoughts. No more. No more. There's a future and there's a hope. There's a future and a hope. The past is behind. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Whew. Come against that. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus right now, we thank you for ministering to him. We break those thoughts. Release him from those. No more. Thank you for that anointing. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we curse those thoughts. We bind them. Now we thank you for the anointing. The anointing. The strength, the power of God, the oil. Keep those thoughts from burrowing in. Healthy and whole in her thought life. Healed from old thoughts. Healthy, healthy, healthy thoughts. Healthy thoughts. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oil anointing his head with oil. Thank you, Lord. Those old thoughts, no more. New thoughts from the word of God. Ha ha, righteous, holy. Ha 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 ha. Equipped, worthy. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Healed of old thoughts. The anointing to keep the enemy away. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for the anointing. Thank you, Lord, saturating her, battling off that anointing, stronger grace from God. Keep those thoughts away. Removed once and for all. Replaced with the anointing. A new way of thinking in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, anointing oil over her thought life. Thank you, Lord, set free. Command that lie to be broken. Truth to prevail. Truth about her to prevail. Bind that lie. There's lying spirits. Command them to stop in their operation. Truth to prevail. Ministering angels, ministering truth and life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, just raise your hand and thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the anointing. We thank you for the anointing. We pray right now for anyone who is watching Online, who's been struggling, that right there where they are, the anointing comes into that room. 
begins to saturate them from the top of their head, goes over their head, begins to break down thoughts and lies of the enemy. Wash them away. Wash them away. Thank you, truth will prevail in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For every single person who has prayed for, I believe the anointing oil is there to prevent and to keep that. Continue in the word, the things that we just said. Renew your mind, meditate on it. Watch what you look at, watch what you hear. Watch how you carry that out. I believe there's going to be a brand new form of thinking which will bring that blessing into your life. And just because of the beginning, this time next year will be different. Amen. Say this we go what God did in Christ Jesus. Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.